This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. If you're a music fan of a certain age, you'll remember your first Walkman. A cassette player with a belt clip, and if you're a radio fanatic like me, a built-in radio. Long before the smartphone or the iPod, the Sony Walkman defined portable audio, and it actually never completely disappeared. In fact, last month, Sony introduced a new model, a digital music player that promises high-res audio and costs a cool $1,200. Just how groundbreaking was the original Walkman? Robert Clara is a senior editor at Adweek. He recently looked back at that miniature marvel. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Apple's iPod is often thought to be the game changer in portable music, but you argue that it was really the Walkman. Yeah, the iPod was extremely significant when it debuted in 2001, but it was really the Sony Walkman that ushered in the idea, which was radical at the time, that you could walk around and take your music with you and have it in a hi-fi sense because obviously you could walk around with a transistor radio. But it came with uh, very, very good audio quality plus lightweight headphones. And that was a remarkable thing in 1979 when it hit the market. Looking back, was there something in our collective mentality at that point that made people embrace the Walkman and the idea of creating your own sound world, musical sound world to walk around in? You know, it's hard to imagine this now, but at the time, it was a groundbreaking idea that you could have stereo and high-quality sound as you walked around. You know, prior to that, if you spent a lot of money on audio equipment, it was in your den or your living room, the sort of thing you showed up to visitors when they came over. When Sony introduced the Walkman, uh, it was almost as though nobody had considered the idea of how valuable it would be to take your music with you. Well, people were taking it with them, but... Boom boxes. Right, I exactly. Boom it, boxes. Right. It either Enormous. weighed 15 pounds or it was a tinny transistor radio. So to have high quality audio on the move, it was almost an idea that struck people as, oh, what a great idea. It was almost as though there had been a, a desire for it all along, but it hadn't quite been realized or articulated. And you wrote that in 1979, this idea came from the top ranks at the Sony Corporation. It's funny because it, it was actually, uh, I don't know what the term would be, almost a co-invention. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Andreas Pavel who had uh, invented something in 1977 called the uh, Stereo Belt. And he was unsuccessful in selling that to the leading electronics companies. Did they, it look like what we it, think it, it is It was about pretty I, – I mean it, it kind of looked like the 1960s conception of what the future would look like. I mean you belted it around you. It had uh, battery cells and you know a, a rather bulky pack that sat on your uh, hip. And of so course, it wasn't quite as compact. Not it? at all. No, but it was portable. Uh, and Pavel was unable to convince – anybody uh, in the electronics world to take this on. And then coincidentally over at Sony, a uh, executive by the name of Masaru Abuka, he had traveled a lot for business and he liked to take his music with him. But the lightest weight cassette player that was available was still several pounds, like four to five pounds. That was a lot to lug around. And so Abuka decided to tell his R&D folks, why don't you work on something lighter weight that I can take with me? And only when they came out with that prototype did it strike him that this might be something that the market would receive well. 
So these were these ideas were developed completely independently. They were yes, and they came together, of course, in the grand American tradition in the form of a lawsuit. And uh, Pavel fought Sony for many many years for uh, you know claiming this was his invention. I don't know the vagaries of the patent law in this case. I mean, the idea of an audio player that you could take with you in the form of headphones is it's not something that seems entirely proprietary, but Pavel, it seems, was the first. And so when Sony went to market with it, Pavel went after him. They fought for years, and they finally settled in 2003 for an undisclosed amount. 2003? Yes. Pavel fought it for a long time and ran his own personal finances down to the ground. Uh, Less determined people would have bailed out. Well, presumably he got something at the end. Oh, he got, it was worth his while. Okay. So you wrote that the Walkman then became one of Branding's cautionary tales. Yeah, it was because the thing was originally introduced in 79. It had various names like the Soundabout uh, was the one that I found. It became the Walkman in 1980 and it achieved such market dominance that Sony, I, I believe, became complacent. Uh, it kept pace with technology. Uh, the Discman came out in 87. But when the MP3 era hit, uh, Sony had an MP3 player, uh, but it was not really prepared for the onslaught that Apple was preparing. It What it failed to understand was that Apple wasn't just marketing technology. It was marketing lifestyle in the form of technology. And Sony hadn't really been thinking along those lines. Uh, and so while they talked about their specs, which was fine for a certain segment of the market, Apple's marketing, if you remember those great iPod silhouette ads that came out, I, they didn't talk about audio quality. They, it was it was lifestyle. It was youth. It was exuberance. Uh, it was personality. And that resonated with the market extremely well. And uh, Apple just gobbled up uh, a great deal of Sony's market share. And Sony has made uh, strides since then. But its market share has never really recovered. So the disc man was something you actually had to insert a mini disc. Yeah, you dropped the disc in, and it was a pretty nifty looking device. I mean, it was lightweight, it played well. The problem really wasn't so much with Sony's player as it was with the disc itself, because if you have ever used a cassette Walkman, uh, you realize you could jog with it and bounce around with it. And the cassette was, they were pretty sturdy. And I mean, unless it ate your tape, of course. Uh, But the discs tended to skip. And so for people who like to use that while jogging or whatever they were doing that was mobile, it had its issues. But they were, I mean, they were right on top of the of the CD craze because the Discman came out in 87, uh, which is, you know, pretty early on. Most people were still listening to cassettes well after the Discman debuted. So why do you think Sony didn't see which way the wind was blowing with portable audio betting on their, was it sort of a Betamax mentality? You know, I can't ground this in any particular footnote for you, but I feel that Sony had always been focused on selling high-quality technology. That had always been their main line of sales. And I don't think that they realized the threat that Apple posed. Sony's, even today, its players look a little clunky, uh, you know, for as advanced as they may be technologically. They're not the sort of thing that you'd wear on the outside of your belt. Maybe you'd put your shirt over it. One of my colleagues who is, like me, a radio fanatic, still hangs on to her Walkman because she says the radio is better. 
Is yes. that a reason to hang on to your Walkman? Has Yeah, I mean, that's I... one reason. I used to listen to the FM and the AM on when I had the last one I had was the yellow sports model, which was also terrific because you could bring it out in the rain. They were very sturdy. And there was um, the pink one. There was the pink one. And they There were so many iterations, especially in the 80s. I mean, I, there were several hundred of them. Uh, some of them had accentuated bass and some of them had pretty what must have looked like really great styling in the mid-80s. But now it just looks like the mid-80s. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it it's funny because I, I feel like they had achieved such market dominance and they, they mixed it up aesthetically. But they weren't mixing it up in terms of image. It, it, to your point, though – it's there's still something very appealing about the Walkman in that apart from the reception quality that you get from the radio, it's very easy to use. You know, I if mean, you have a cassette tape, if you have a cassette tape, and but I mean specifically with the radio, uh, it, it's you know not everybody wants to uh, interface with a with a screen. They just you, you turn it on, you spin the dial. There's something intuitive about that, and the Walkman will always have that. So would you shell out $1,200 for the new model Walkman? Me personally, absolutely not. There's some furniture that I have my eye on that I'd much rather drop $1,200 on. But, you know, what's interesting about that model, Sony has still held on to the high ground of audio and, you know, appealing to audiophiles who they want crystalline sound and they're very concerned with the specs on the thing and sure i you know if that's if if that's your bailiwick um i mean no price is too great i mean think of the things people spend money on comic books and and whatever else if it's important to you the the price is reasonable but given that most people especially because a lot of, most people listen through uh relatively poor quality headphones the music that many of us listen to is is of middling quality to start with so unless you're really hardcore about your music. I personally don't think that 1200 is a reasonable price for that uh, piece of electronics, but that's just me. Well, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Robert Clara is a senior editor at Adweek. You can find a link to his article on our website, wqxr.org. This has been Conducting Business. Brian Wise is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.